Hello and welcome to Fantasize Me, the podcast where I take a character, real or imagined, and fantasize them as a D&D character. I'm your host, Zach Katz, and today we are going to be fantasizing Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's right, we're going from Zeus to Ginsburg, a logical and natural transition. Uh, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg is dope, uh, was dope. She passed away in 2020, uh, but did so many awesome things during her life. So let's, uh, let's see how cool she'll be as a D&D character. So let's start with background. I think the background should reflect her education or her career. Uh, she went to Cornell University where she got her bachelor's. Then she had a kid And then after she had a kid, went to Harvard University before transferring to Columbia. Uh, So education, clearly very important. And I want that to be reflected in the background. So I was thinking maybe Sage, because that's kind of their whole thing. You spent years learning the lore of the multiverse. Lore of the multiverse. I mean, baby, that's just another fancy way to say law, right? (laughs) No, probably not. Uh, but your efforts have made you a master in your fields of study. So I think that is a good option. There's also courtier. Uh, in your early days, you were a personage of some significance in noble court or bureaucratic organization. <laughs> Bureaucrats, there it is. Uh, you might or might not come from an upper-class family. Your talents, rather than the circumstances of your birth, could have secured you this position. Well, the skill proficiencies given with that are insight and persuasion, which honestly I feel like would be more fitting for a lawyer and a judge uh, rather than arcana and history. History is important, though. No, okay, we're going to go with Cordier. Because, mm, I said so. So that'll give proficiencies with insight and persuasion, as well as two languages of our choice. Uh, now that we have that, let's go to race. I am, I, w- I was tempted to just think like, oh, what would a cool race for Ruth Bader Ginsburg be? But if I'm, you know, being realistic within the confines of this fantasy, then she's just going to be a human, uh, a variant. So that way she will start with the feet. Uh, I've been, I've been asked like, well, what does a human variant look like? But the variant just refers to the rules of what a human gets. So if the human looked non-human, it would be a different race. So human variant is just the name of a subset of rules that humans can take instead of the regular ones. So she would start with a feat as a human variant. And normally I would pick this after I picked the class to see what she would be good in or what she'd be lacking in. But I'm just going to go for it and pick Inspiring Leader. You can spend 10 minutes inspiring your companions, shoring up their resolve to fight. When you do so, choose up to six friendly creatures, which can include yourself, within 30 feet of you, who can see or hear you, and who can understand you. Each creature can gain temporary hit points equal to your level, plus your charisma modifier. Uh, And a creature can't gain temporary hit points from this feat again until it has finished a short or long rest. Uh, I think that's a great feat and reflects Ruth Bader Ginsburg's sort of supportfulness. Supportfulness? That doesn't sound like a word. I'm going to use it anyway. (laughs) 
<laughs> breaking all the rules today. Uh, all right, so let's assign the stats. Uh, Cordier, human variant, uh, with inspiring leader. So the stats, I envisage Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, dubbed the notorious RBG, as kind of a back-heavy character. I don't know if that means anything to anyone else, but to me, when I say back-heavy character, I mean having high intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, and low strength, dexterity, and constitution. So most likely a spellcaster. Uh, a front-heavy character would have high strength, dexterity, and constitution, most likely a melee combatant, like a fighter or barbarian. So I rolled for her stats. So I rolled a d6 four times and removed the lowest number, and I did that a total of six times in order to get the six numbers that we use for stats. And they weren't as good as Zeus's, which can be expected, because, you guys, it's Zeus. So she got 11, 8, 16, 9, 13, and 14. Right off the bat, we talked about her education, so I'm going to make her intelligence a 16. I'm going to make her next highest stat wisdom, which will be 14, and charisma, which will be 13. Next highest is 11, and I think I'm going to put that in constitution, just because I don't think you should ever have a negative to constitution. It should never be your dump stat, uh, and dump stat is just essentially where you put your lowest number. But having a negative constitution is not great for survivability because constitution helps determine your hit points. And having a negative in constitution can, by definition, negatively uh, impact your hit point maximum. So constitution is going to be 11. Next highest is going to be strength, which will be nine. And then dexterity will be eight. Make no mistake, I don't think Ruth Bader Ginsburg was weak physically in any means. She even had uh, an exercise book out, uh, which I think was just called the Ruth Bader Workout or Ruth Bader Ginsburg Workout, something like that. Uh, but unfortunately, she didn't roll too great. So strength is nine, dex is eight. As a human variant, humans regularly get a plus one to every stat. But since we took the feet, it wouldn't really make sense to get that big of a bonus. So as a human variant, you just get two points that you can use. So I'm going to bump up Charisma to 14, which will make it a plus two modifier. And I'm going to bump up Constitution to 12. So it'll be a plus one modifier, and she'll be a little bit more hardy. Now that we have her stats, let's pick a class. Uh, her highest stat is Intelligence, which is a plus three. So the only two Intelligence-based classes are Artificer and Wizard, unfortunately. There's only two. There are some subclasses that use Intelligence, like Arcane Trickster Rogue or Eldritch Knight Fighter. Uh, but I actually think it makes more sense to start as a first-level Bard. I know what you're thinking. That's not her highest stat, and you're right but I'm still going to do it. So as a first level bard, she gains proficiency in light armor, some weapons, three musical instruments of our choice, 
Uh, I'm going to say banjo, triangle, and flute. I don't know if she actually played any instruments, but that's a fun combination of them. So banjo, triangle, flute. That is what Ruth Bader Ginsburg would play as a D&D character. Uh, also dexterity saving throws and charisma saving throws. Her dexterity is not great. It's negative one. So even with this proficiency, she'll only have plus one to dexterity saving throws. But I wanted that proficiency because dexterity saving throws are the most common saving throws that you will have to make. Uh, charisma saving throws, much less likely, but still. She also gets any three skill proficiencies. So Bard, unlike the other classes, it just says any three. It doesn't give you a little list to choose from. So you can just pick any three of these skills she's not already proficient in. And because of her courtier background, she's proficient in insight and persuasion. So I think let's go history. Give a plus two to history because that's her proficiency bonus at first level. A plus two to performance because, you know, as a judge, those those speeches kind of need a little flair. And she also has three instruments that she needs to be good at perform. She needs to be good uh, performing with, obviously. The last one, I am going to say perception. I think she's perceptive. I think she's quick. A smart cookie. Like a thick cookie. Like a, like a something. I can't think of a thick cookie. They all seem thin to me. Anyway, so for languages, she can speak common, and as a courtier, she gets two more languages. I think she would probably speak the most common because, you know, represents the people. Uh, so maybe elvish and dwarvish. So common, elvish, and dwarvish. I also missed this, but uh, so as a variant human, she gains a skill proficiency of her choice. So we can just pick another proficiency. I am going to do investigation to kind of represent her study uh, and the research that she must do in order to prepare for court. I'm obviously very knowledgeable about law and what goes into it. I do know a lawyer, but I think it's real estate law. So not the same. Uh, so as a first level bard, the pretty much only reason I, I chose it, uh, aside from the dexterity proficiency, is bardic inspiration. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, to me, as a D&D character, it seems like she would be focused on having some abilities to support her allies and kind of bolster the team as a whole. And Bardic Inspiration would allow her to do that. She already has Inspiring Leader, the feat she gained as a human variant, to give bonus, uh, or to give temporary hit points to her allies. But with Bardic Inspiration, she can use a bonus action on her turn to choose one creature other than herself within 60 feet of her that can hear her. Uh, and that creature will gain 1d6 Bardic Inspiration die. So within the next 10 minutes, the creature can roll the die to an ability check, an attack roll, or a saving throw that it makes. So that's awesome. You can just choose a ally in range and give them a d6 that they can use at their leisure. And 
potentially turned a failed role into a success. And she can use that an amount of times equal to her charisma modifier, which is only twice because uh, her, her charisma is 14, which is a plus two modifier. But I think that's still pretty good and kind of in line with what we're thinking for uh, RBG. Also gains spell casting and charisma is a part of that. For, for second level, I think we're going to go with another level in Bard. Uh, so unlike with the cleric with Zeus, clerics pick their subclass at second level, bards pick their subclass at third level. So I think we're going to go all the way to third level with it. But at second level, she gets jack of all trades, so she can add half her proficiency bonus rounded down to any ability check she makes that doesn't already include her proficiency bonus. So the proficiency bonus of plus two, that means everything she's not proficient in automatically gets a plus one, which will deal with those two pesky negative she has to strength and to dexterity. That means those skills that use strength or dexterity are now a plus zero. She also has Song of Rest. She can play that flute or triangle or banjo for her allies during a short rest, and they will regain an additional 1d6 hit points. So that's another bit of support that I think would be fitting. At third level, she gets Expertise, which Expertise is one of my favorite uh, abilities you get in D&D, because it's just... I, I don't know, there's something about it in the role-playing that seems very cool, I guess? Just to have a bard who's so much better at one skill than all of the others because they are an expert in it. I don't know. What I just said was nothing. But I still think it's cool. So she's going to choose two of the skills she's proficient in, and she's going to double her proficiency bonus for any ability check she makes that uses either of the chosen proficiencies. So I think the two abilities should be persuasion, obviously, which will turn that into a plus six, and history, which will turn that into a plus seven. Plus seven of history. Gotta love it. Smart cookie, again. Maybe I'm just hungry. I'm always hungry. Anyway, she now chooses her Bard College, which is the uh, what the subclasses for Bards are called. They're called colleges. I think that not many of these colleges are really fitting, except one of the new ones from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, the College of Eloquence, I think is the most applicable to RBG. So with that, at third level, she gets the ability Silver Tongue. So you're a master at saying the right thing at the right time. When you make a persuasion or deception check, you can treat a d20 roll of 9 or lower as a 10. And since she has expertise in persuasion, bring it to a plus 6, that means the lowest she can get on a persuasion check is a 16. That's awesome. Her charisma is not even that great. It's only a plus two, but she can't roll lower than a 16 on a persuasion check. Unless, of course, she gets a nat one. The other third level ability is called unsettling words. So at third level, you can spin words laced with magic that unsettle a creature and cause it to doubt itself. And no doubt that, you know, some of her words and rhetoric have caused the other side to 
doubt their argument. And as a bonus action, you can expend one use of your bardic inspiration and choose one creature you can see within 60 feet of you. Roll the bardic inspiration die, and the creature has to subtract the number rolled from the next saving throw it makes before the start of your next turn. That's just such an awesome ability. So if an ally is shooting like a fireball at the enemy, and the enemy succeeds on their dexterity saving throw, you can roll one of your bardic inspiration dies, a d6, and subtract that from their saving throw, potentially making it a failure. Which I think is another cool thing to help your allies. It can also be used to help yourself uh, as a bard, maybe use charm person. Oh no, they succeeded by a little bit. Let's use unsettling words. Oh, they failed. I have them charmed. <laughs> Perfect. Anyway, so I think that is going to be it for bard. I don't want to go any higher than third level. So for fourth level, we are going to multi-class. I don't know if I don't know if any of the characters on Fantasize Me are going to be one class or stick to one class. I think it's definitely more fun to multi-class, and I might even get fancy with it and do multiple multi-classes and have characters uh, and have characters with three classes. <laughs> I don't think we're there yet, but maybe in the future. So her highest stat is intelligence, and I don't think an artificer fits at all for her. So we're going to go with wizard. So wizards are cool. Most people, when they think of just a pure spellcaster, that's wizard. And I like to imagine Ruth Bader Ginsburg, this, you know, 80-something-year-old woman just slinging spells at the enemy. That's, that's fun for me. I enjoy that. I'm gonna think about that for a bit after the podcast. But anyway, first level, uh, she's going to gain access to, obviously, wizard spells and spellcasting using her intelligence modifier, and also arcane recovery. So arcane recovery, that's just... Uh, once per day when you finish a short rest, you can choose expended spell slots to recover of a combined level equal to or less than half your wizard level rounded up. So for a bard, all of her spells come back after a long rest, but now that she's a wizard, if she takes a short rest, she can get a first level spell slot back, which is pretty cool and again lends itself to the idea of wizards just being dope spellcasters who have a lot of energy in reserve. They can just recover some magic over an hour of hanging out uh, and then go back to doing what wizards do, which in my experience is only cast fireball, like literally just cast fireball, which I, I don't know, I think is a bit of a waste, but uh, it's fine. Players are going to do what players are going to do, you know what I mean? At second level in wizard, uh, fifth level overall, she's going to gain her arcane tradition. Now, none of the arcane traditions, again, just like with Bard, none of them seemed perfect. The wizard class didn't have any that seemed to be too applicable at all. So I kind of went in a more metaphorical route and chose chronergy. So time magic. 
that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for her whole career, has just been trying to make us all get with the times. Do you get it? That's fine. So at second level, she'll gain the ability Chronal Shift. So as a reaction, and you know how I feel about reactions, they're dope, get as many as you can. Uh, As a reaction, after you or a creature you can see within 30 feet of you makes an attack roll, an ability check, or saving throw, you can just force that creature to re-roll. And you make the decision uh, after you see whether the roll succeeds or fails. Which is really cool, because a lot of abilities that have you re-roll or give advantage or disadvantage, you have to use before you're told if it succeeds or fails. Like, Bardic Inspiration has to be used before you know if it succeeds or fails. This, you can see whether the roll succeeds or fails, and then choose to have them re-roll, and the target must use the result of the second roll. So you can use that ability twice per long rest, but it's just such a cool ability. You also get Temporal Awareness, where you can add your Intelligence modifier to your initiative rolls. Which is perfect, because she has a minus one to initiative rolls. Uh, If you don't know, your initiative bonus is just your Dexterity modifier. Well, she has a minus one. But now that she can add her Intelligence, which is a plus three, she'll have a plus two to initiative. Which is great. I... Whenever I play a spellcaster, I prefer to go earlier in the initiative order so I can set up some control spells or bolster my allies, something like that. So that's fun for us. Fourth level is an ability score improvement. I don't know if Ruth Bader Ginsburg would have any more feats aside from the inspiring leader that we already gave her. Just none of them, none of them seem too applicable to her. Uh, Maybe Keen Mind, but it's the abilities that you get from Keen Mind I don't think are worth the missing out on an ability score improvement. Maybe Historian, just because she's really smart. But I think I am just going to go with an ability score improvement and bump up that Charisma to a 16, which will give her plus three Charisma, Uh, which means she gets an additional use of Bardic Inspiration. So now three Bardic Inspiration uses. And remember, Inspiring Leader is her level plus Charisma modifier in the form of temporary hit points to her allies. So now her allies will gain 10 temporary hit points, which is great. That's fun. Sixth level, she gets another Arcane Tradition feature. So again, Arcane Tradition is just what the subclass for wizards are called. They're all called something different, but they're they're the same thing. They're subclasses or archetypes. It's just called an Arcane Tradition. At sixth level, she gains Momentary Stasis. As an action, you can magically force a large or smaller creature you can see within 60 feet of you to make a constitution saving throw against your spell save DC. Uh, and at the moment, at... Ninth level overall, her proficiency bonus is plus four, her intelligence is plus three, and spell save DCs are eight plus your proficiency bonus plus your spellcasting modifier. So her spell save DC will be 15. So they have to make a constitution saving throw against the 15. And unless the saving throw is a success, the creature is encased in a field of magical energy until the end of your next turn, or until the creature takes any damage. 
So while encased that way, the creature is incapacitated and has a speed of zero. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your intelligence modifier, which is three, and she gains all expended uses when she finishes a long rest. So you can use momentary stasis, say you're fighting a bunch of enemies and one of them is just not going down but is still doing a lot of damage, you can just trap them in momentary stasis and incapacitate them for a turn. Uh, that's kind of something like the monk's stunning strike where you can just take them out of battle for a round. And I think I think that's good. I like to imagine her, uh, you know, kind of flipping her hand at an opponent and just saying something so eloquent and and persuasive that they're just gobsmacked into inaction. And I got to use the word gobsmacked. So it's just a great day. Eighth level wizard, that's another ability score improvement. I think with that improvement, let's... Uh, we could make strength a 10 to get rid of that negative, but I don't think those negatives are doing too much damage to this build. I think instead of trying to get rid of negatives, and I think this is advice that I would give most players or characters that they're making, if you have a negative, it's not always worth it to turn that negative into a positive unless it's really hampering you. In this case, I don't think it will be because even with a minus one dexterity, she still has a plus to her dexterity saving throws. And with her ability as a bard, she doesn't have any negatives in any of her skills. So I think instead we're going to use the plus two and we're going to give that to intelligence. So intelligence is now plus four. Uh, also, now that her proficiency bonus is also plus four, that means her spell save DC that we talked about earlier is a 16, which is pretty dang good. 10th level wizard, she gains another arcane tradition feature, arcane abeyance. Abeyance. A-B-E-Y-A-N-C-E. Pretty sure it's not a word, even if it is. Anyway. When you cast a spell using a spell slot of fourth level or lower, you can condense the spell's magic into a moat. So the spell's frozen in time at the moment of casting and held within a gray bead for an hour. This bead is a tiny object with an armor class of 15, one hit point, immune to poison and psychic damage. When the hour is over or if the bead is destroyed, it vanishes in a flash of light and the spell is lost. So the reason why it's good is a creature holding the bead can use its action to release the spell within, whereupon the bead disappears. The spell uses your spell attack bonus and save DC, and the spell treats the creature who released it as the caster for all other purposes. Once you create a bead with this feature, you can't do so again until you finish a short or long rest. So the reason I think that's, well, one, pretty cool, but also good for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, <laughs> uh... It's good for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, is that as a bard, she has access to some healing spells. So I think it would be cool to cast Cure Wounds, trap it in a bead, and just be able to pass it off to a friend. So a friend without any healing abilities, like a barbarian or a rogue or another martial class. So when they're injured, they can just use their action to use the magic in this bead. So you can help them 
on their turn. Or you can just give them Fireball and have a rogue sneak behind enemy lines and cast Fireball, which is also so fun. Uh, next, 12th level, another ability score improvement. I... I think we're going to max out intelligence. So that's a 20, which is a plus five modifier. And at 15th level, she now has a plus five proficiency bonus. So with her expertise that we talked about, she now has a plus 15 to history and a plus 13 to persuasion. Really cool. So now with her silver tongue ability, Whenever you make a persuasion check, you can treat a d20 roll of 9 or lower as a 10. The lowest she can get on persuasion without a nat 1 is 23. That's wild. That's insane. I love it. At a 14th level wizard, she will gain her last arcane tradition feature. And that is going to be Convergent Future. So you can peer through possible futures and magically pull one of them into events around you, ensuring a particular outcome. When you or a creature you can see within 60 feet of you makes an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, you can use a reaction to ignore the die roll and decide whether the number rolled is the minimum needed to succeed or one less than that number. When you use that feature, you gain one level of exhaustion which gives you disadvantage on skill checks. Only by finishing a long rest can you remove a level of exhaustion gained in this way. So it sounds like even greater restoration can't take away that exhaustion. But how cool is that? You can just turn any roll for an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw into a success or a failure. So if an ally is on death's door and they roll a death saving throw and fail, you can just say that they actually got it. Because uh, I, I count death saving throws as saving throws for this purpose as well. I don't know what your DM would do or what you would do if you were a DM, but I think it would be really cool to be like, oh no, I have two failed saving throws and I just rolled a three and Ruth Bader Ginsburg reaches out her hand and is like, hush baby, I got this and makes it a success and now you're fine. And then she throws a bead at you and you heal yourself. <laughs> that doesn't actually work because you're incapacitated. But I like the idea of it anyway. 16th level is the last level where she's really going to get anything, which is another ability score improvement. And I think that is going to go to charisma. It's kind of weird for me to only have a character with one feat. I love feats. They're wonderful. Uh, I guess Zeus only had two. But anyway, so with that plus four to charisma, now with a plus six proficiency bonus, which is the highest you can get, and she's 19th level, that will be a plus 16 to persuasion. So the roll, the lowest roll that she can get on persuasion is a 26, unless she gets a nat one. <laughs> How cool is that? Uh, also, with her inspiring leader ability, now her and five other allies, uh, six total, can get 24 hit points once she reaches 20th level. And she doesn't really get anything super at 20th level, just some more magic. So that is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So to sum up Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we ended 
uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States before she passed, a courtier, a human variant, a third-level College of Eloquence bard, and a 17th-level Cronergy wizard. Strength was 9, 8 for dexterity, 12 for constitution, 20 for intelligence, 14 for wisdom, and 18 for charisma. So good. She was proficient, not just proficient, but had expertise in history and persuasion, which gave a plus 17 and a plus 16, respectively. Proficient in investigation, insight, perception, and performance as well. Her saving throws, so even with the minus to dex, she still ended with a plus 5 dexterity saving throw and a plus 10 charisma dexterity, or plus 10 charisma saving throw. She spoke common, elvish, dwarvish, and could do so many cool things. She had the feat inspiring leader to give allies temp HP with a plus four to charisma. She had four uses of bardic inspiration. So as a third level bard, her bardic inspiration was just a d6, which is the lowest that it can be. But I think it would still be really useful because you'd be surprised how often the margin of error is within six. Especially from the College of Eloquence, she got the unsettling words so she could use a bardic inspiration and subtract that roll from a creature's saving throw. So that's pretty dang cool. My image of her is kind of staying behind allies and using her magics to support and bolster them. So as a wizard, she would probably have a lot of illusion spells or conjuration spells, you know she's gonna have a globe of invulnerability. You know she's gonna have wall of force, charm person, maybe suggestion. Uh, just some cool stuff that she can do in order to help her allies. And, you know, if, if her allies seem to not be doing enough, she can also always cast, like, chain lightning or something and just, you know embody Zeus from last week and blast enemies apart, which is not really her build, but she does have the ability to do so, and that's good to know. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe. Rate and subscribe? Can you like this? Well, preferences aside, rate and subscribe and be sure to follow me at fantasize me pod on twitter email in fantasize me pod at gmail.com for any suggestions of characters or people you want me to fantasize uh yeah this has been fun and let's do it again next week i can't wait to see who we will be fantasizing bye